Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and I'm delighted to be back with you for another week talking about the Camino de Santiago, a series of ancient pilgrimages across Europe and pilgrims arrive at the remains of St. James at Santiago de Compostela in northwest Spain. I'm sure many of you share a similar experience to me. That is, the more you talk about the Camino, the more people you meet who have walked it or are thinking about walking. Those people just seem to come into your life. And I saw someone with a t-shirt this week on the front. It said, log off, shut down and go outside. Great advice for pilgrims. My guest this week is US-based writer and blogger Robert C. Deming. He's on the line from the US state of Texas. I love the byline on the website medium.com where I read his piece. It says, I have the illusion that I am a brilliant writer. My border collie Daisy supports that notion. I began by asking Robert to tell us about his Camino. Well, several years ago, a friend of mine gave me a see a dvd at breakfast and he said here you'd like this movie and i had not heard of it i've really not heard of the camino i actually have two friends that walked a piece of it several years before that but i didn't know anything about it and i only had a vaguest recollection of it. so i saw that movie and i thought wow that's me um i've been a backpacker since i was a kid i've, I've done all just a whole lot of backpacking climbing in the in the rockies basically in the u.s and and I thought, well, it's no sweat. It's just, you know, it's not even a backpack. It's just a walk. So I wrote that down as a goal, and along with a couple other things, which have all panned out. And, and I um, ended up um, May 1st getting on an airplane. I, I went May 1st for a couple of reasons. One is because I turned 65 in May, so I was eligible for Medicare <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, May 1st. And uh, the weather looked like, I'm looking at the weather in northern Spain, it looked like uh, weather was pretty decent and, and the, it wasn't as crowded as it gets later in the summer. So May 1st, I headed towards, uh, I went to Germany and then Paris and then southern France. And uh, I'll tell you, that I, I've done some traveling and I, <clears throat> uh, I by the time I got to, to Paris, I was kind of dazed and confused. I mean, this it was quite, quite a bit with uh, customs and, and uh um, the, the inspections and the, my pack and all that stuff. But uh, I, I felt lucky to actually to make it down to Biarritz. <laughs> um, yeah, I was, I've just, because that, it took everything I had to get there is kind of what it seemed like. And did you walk, to, yeah. so did you start your Camino in Saint-Jean? No. Uh, yes, in Saint-Jean. So, uh, and I, I, and then, you know, something really amazing happened when I got to Baritz. I had booked an Airbnb room. I, I'm an Airbnb host here in Texas. I've been here for a couple of years. And <clears throat> I booked this room and the, guy, and the guy picked me up at the airport. And I was so lost. I thought, wow, th this is awesome, you know? And he, because uh, I, I couldn't have found his place. He lived in the back alley somewhere, you know? Uh, and, and then the next morning, he dropped me off at the bus station. And I right away met somebody who became one of my mentors for the first few days. And, and showed me how to do this stuff. And that was, that was really important because I had no idea what I was doing. I was, I was pretty lost. So, so just take a step back. What was the movie that you were handed that prompted you to do it? Oh, it was The Way with Martin yeah, Sheen. Yeah. And, yeah. And, 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 and that's an excellent film. Aside from the Camino stuff, it's an excellent film. The characters in that film are as good as you'll find in any movie. Yeah, yeah, that's well right. it's beautifully written, isn't it? It's a beautiful a, yes. a screenplay, and and so you talk about um, 
May the 1st. What year? Last year. Right, last year. Okay. So can I ask you then, how did it impact your life? I know it's a very broad question, but how did it impact your life? Well, it was, it, some of it took a while to figure out. And I wrote that, that blog piece this morning after I came out for a couple of days. It took me a while to put all that together. Yeah, and and I it, those weren't. It's not the first time I heard of those things. Although I heard those all on the Camino from other pilgrims, and and that was one of the real special things about that was um, uh, long, deep discussions with other pilgrims at Albergues late at night or on the trail, uh, or not late at night. Um, and so I so I'd I'd heard all that stuff, and but then I actually had to put it into practice. And I read a couple of books. I read a couple of books on the Camino. About it, um, about uh, pre- present moment and um, the ego and uh, the problems that uh, we create for ourselves. But I started practicing those on the Camino, and that made a big difference. When I started to say, "Okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be intentional about doing this," that made a huge difference. So, like when a negative thought would come into my head, and I, I had a bad attitude there for a while. I'm for the first week and a half. I wasn't sure I was going to keep walking. I was, I don't know. I had a bad attitude. Uh, I don't know why. And I have to talk to myself. Say, look, here you are. You're walking in this beautiful, beautiful place. Um, you're doing the trip of a lifetime. Uh, what's the problem with your attitude? You know, why, why are you upset about this? And then I started, so I'd say, okay, I'm going to be right here, right now. And, I, and I'd listen for birds. Of course, they were all over in May. Yeah. birds were all over and yeah. and there and the roses were everywhere those roses and i would literally stop and smell them and sometimes they were almost overpowering and and i would feel i would close my eyes while i was walking and i would feel the air flowing over my body and i would listen for the wind in the trees and the grass and i'd watch the wind moving through the patterns in the patterns um in the wheat going along the trail and and that made a huge difference pushing the negative thoughts out and say, just give up that all that stuff and focus on this moment right now, hearing my feet on the gravel on the trail crunching as I walked along. Yeah, fantastic. The air blowing over me. Yeah. So what you could do that, I could do that right here, right now. I could be doing that in Texas. But when you get in the Camino, you're all of a sudden pushed into a different world when you can do things differently. So let's get to the impact on your life that you wrote about. The, the article on the website medium.com, yeah. and if nobody's heard of medium.com, it's itself on the website says it taps into the brains of the world's most insightful writers, thinkers, and storytellers to bring you the smartest takes on topics that matter. So whatever your interest, you can always find some fresh thinking and unique perspectives. You wrote about the five lessons to practice on the Camino yeah. de Santiago. So not necessarily what yeah. you're going to learn, but what to practice. And I thought that was a very interesting yeah. twist. The first is the Camino provides. Now, that would be generally yeah. something would, you would think that you should learn, not necessarily practice. And you say many pilgrims uh, arrive on the walk after intense planning and preparation. Others just seem to show up and start walking. Camino forums are full of questions about minute planning and packing details. To obsess about details is to miss the vital part of the experience, the serendipity of the places and people around you. But you didn't necessarily find that immediately, you just told me. So how, no, how, I, how did no, you? No, by, I didn't. by stopping? I, it's I not, got there yeah, it's not easy. Yeah, it's not easy for us find, to let go. No, I didn't plan real well. 
I, you know, I just got my backpack and stuff of stuff I didn't need, you know, loaded my pack up and, and went to the airport. And, um, I, I, but, but in, now I see that lots of people looking at the Facebook pages, all these yeah. communal Facebook pages, people ask all kinds of questions. Uh, what kind of cell phone plan is best in Spain? You know, can you get a Spanish SIM card? Um, you know, what is it? What, what does anybody say about this kind of a shoe, very specific, this kind of a walking shoe or boot? Uh, uh, you know, and I, like, man, you know, none of that matters. That's what I finally realized. None of that matters. Uh, you, you, if if you find if you're doing something that doesn't work, you know, you're on the Camino, something doesn't work, like your shoes wear out. Which I mean, I did wear out a pair of shoes. Uh, well, you just stop in a city and buy another pair of shoes. You don't have to worry about it. <laughs> um, you know, it, it, but people obsess about this stuff. You, I only met one person that didn't have a cell phone. Uh, and he was a Scottish neurologist who was actually a German citizen. Really interesting guy. We had a lot of interesting talks. And uh, But everybody else um, is obsessing about being able to stay connected. Can I get their battery charged? You know, is there going to be Wi-Fi? Um, all this stuff. And, and it, it turns out it all doesn't matter. It, you, you can do it perfectly well without it. Of course, I had a paper guidebook, a paper, uh, guidebook in my pocket, and I used that all the time. So... Um, that that was never going to go away. But did you did you find after the ten days, once you started to let go, so a week and a half in, and you, you're starting to feel the breeze on your face, and you're starting to unwind. Did you feel okay? I now understand what I'm in for here, and you started yes. to, you started yeah. to open up and let it happen. And you thought it would never end. At that point, you're looking at it thinking, oh, this is never going to end. This is like the rest of my life. I've been here 10 days, and I'm, I'm still on the first map. Yeah. You know, what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And and I didn't get in the rhythm of it really till about 30 days into it. And I was only walked 35. But I didn't get into the rhythm of it. But I used to lay it. I'd go to bed and eager to get to sleep at you know, 9 o'clock at night. And But then I would start worrying at, you know, 4 o'clock. i got to get up in an hour, two hours, and got to walk and it's going to be hard. Is it going to be raining? Uh, one morning I, it was uh, pouring down rain and I'm, and I'm putting my rain gear on. I'm thinking, Oh man, this is awful. Walking in the rain. It's chilly. It's dark. You know, and I had a major revelation there because um, that was about, I think it was about 15 days in I, I, I was walking in the rain and it was pouring down. I didn't have rain pants. So my legs were soaked. I had a nice rain jacket and a hat, um, but I think, man, this is going to be miserable. But the rain stopped almost immediately, and I took off my raincoat, you know, pretty quick. And then the sun came up, and it cleared up, and it was magic. And all that worrying I'd done about this, I mean, I'd probably laid awake for three hours worrying about this rain I'm hearing outside. And and I finally got to the point where I realized it didn't matter. It was going to be okay. Yeah. I could I could walk in the rain. I could I would always find a bed. Uh, I could walk in the rain. I could walk in the dark. Um, there was always going to be a restaurant. It's when I needed one. And it just none of that stuff mattered. That's right. So, yeah, that's right. Let it go. It'll be okay. Now, and, you, and in life, you could do that in daily life here, but we don't because we're overwhelmed and inundated by the flow of information and things. So and it allowed me to take the time to step back from that busyness and just worry, worry about putting one foot in front of the other. How fantastic. You say in the second point you make about the five lessons to practice on the Camino de Santiago, a pilgrim must suffer. 
and you say the suffering is transient and it helps keep you in the present because no pain, no gain. But that's a tough, that's a tough message, but it does ring it's true. true. It is. Yeah, it's exactly. I mean, well, it's yeah. everybody. Yeah. Everybody at some point uh, is um, has got blisters, or I mean, just it's constant. In the albergues, people are have got their feet up on their bed, and they're they're changing their their blister patches and dressings, and they've got all these things taped on their legs. I mean, it's everybody. <laughs> yeah. Everybody gets hurt somehow. I didn't really have blisters. I, I I came up with a problem in a muscle on my back. I, my doctor said it's a pinched nerve. Uh, and it, it, I'd, I'd seen it a little bit before, but here, this was a, this was a pretty significant pain. Uh, and I didn't know what to do about it. I didn't know what it was. Uh, it, it gradually uh, kind of diminished in its in its ferocity. But uh, so I didn't have blisters, but I had this weird pain in my back. And here I am, big, strong guy, backpacker. You know, everybody has suffers something in that. And if you didn't, it would be a lark, you know, it. Oh, yeah. it's, a, it's like a pub crawl, but with 14 <laughs> miles between pubs, 14 <laughs> miles between pubs. So it makes it different, you know? Yeah. But, uh, okay, so let's talk about your back because there'd be a lot of people listening who fear back pain. Did it get better? Did you seek treatment? Was it something you would... I, I you, did. Yeah? I, what happened? I stopped. I saw a poster and I was walking into Burgos and it said physiotherapist specialized in Camino injuries. Uh-huh. So I... I called them up, made an appointment, found the place, which was pretty tough. Spanish maps are, they don't make any sense. Uh, streets change names. If you can find a name, it, it doesn't last very long, and it's another name. You know, <laughs> they come together at odd angles. I, I finally found this place, um, and I had a very good physical therapist. She said, you can only be here for one session. I said, yeah, I'm leaving till I get in the morning at 6. And she said, well, I don't know if it's going to help enough, but we'll, we'll do something. So, you know, she did her best. But um, it still hurt. The next day was just as bad. But gradually, it became less of an issue. It didn't hurt as much. The pain would go away sooner. I thought if I stopped, the, the really the only solution was, is to stop for about 10 minutes out of every hour. And you know, when I was sitting there by myself, I walked by myself, I ended up spending the nights in albergues with friends. We'd, we'd decide where we're going to stop. And, and they, they'd walk on there because they were faster than me. But if I sat down for 10 minutes out of every hour, just sat down and did nothing, took my pack off, it would go away. And I'd be fine again for yeah, a while. Yeah. And I thought, eventually I thought, there's no problem with that. Yeah. You know, sitting down for 10 minutes out of the hour, you know, because, you know, backpacking days, I'd walk three hours straight without taking a break. Yeah. I was yeah. younger, younger then. Yeah. Um, but but that's interesting because if, if, if you only take 10 minutes every every hour and you walk for six hours, you're only going to be an hour behind your pals. Yes, and yeah, exactly. And when I'd get there, they were in the line outside the albergue waiting for it to open. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. So, exactly. It, yeah, it didn't matter. Yeah, take- know, but I did. We left at, I left at 6 a.m., uh, which was wonderful. Uh, and it was, of course, in May. Um, it was an hour before sunrise. And, and that became my favorite time of the day. Uh, walking in the dark by myself at 6 a.m. Uh, was wonderful. Did you carry a headlamp? Wear a headlamp? Uh, no, I, I had one, but I never used it. I could see well enough. But starlight, you, with starlight, you could see. They don't have so much light pollution there. so. Yeah, it's beautiful. Some of those walks, too, in, under the starlight's gorgeous, under the Milky Way. So you yeah. you write about the Cruz de Ferro, the Iron Cross at the high point yeah. on the Camino Frances, and I love your words. You say, by placing a stone at the foot of the cross, you are, in fact, lightening your load. And you say the biggest burden that we all carry is an unforgiving spirit and the person in the greatest need of forgiveness 
is yourself. So I'm going to ask you a very simple question. Why? Yeah. It's that inner critic that, you know, the ego always telling us, always rehashing those old um, hurts. And, and it's, it lies. It's part of, there is, there may be some reason for that. We all have it. Uh, there may be some survival related thing from when we were all cavemen, you know, but that's the biggest problem to overcome in life. I think is that, that inner critic saying, you're not good enough. You're not smart enough. Uh, but I started that forgiveness of myself process 20 years before I've been active in a prison ministry. It's in Australia, the Kairos prison ministry, huh. um, several prisons in Australia that have that. I've done for 20 years and we do a whole day on forgiveness and then we do a forgiveness ceremony at the end. We write this list out on rice paper and you ask the, all the, all these guys, all these inmates uh, to write down all the people they hold in a state of unforgiveness. And then we give it up at the end. We put it in water and it dissolves, you know, and it's over. Some, some of them burn it. Um, and you know, and my list, I used to have a list 10 years ago. I had a list and the last couple of years, I hadn't got a list. The only name I could put on my list is mine. And last time it was uh, in uh, November, Last time I could, I didn't even put my name on the list, and it, that takes a long time. You don't just say I'm going to forgive myself, and I'm going to forgive all these people I hold in unforgiveness. You don't just say that once. You have to say it over and over and over again for years, I think, before you finally get to where it doesn't matter. None of that matters anymore. And and I think at that when I got to the cruise to Pharaoh, I had nothing to write on my rock, not, nothing to, you know, at, that's I don't care all the rest of that BS from the past. I don't care. It's gone. It's not a thing. But there were a lot of people there that were suffering with, I mean, they were crying, they were very involved in, in their um, their issue. Um, but by that point, I, I, I think if you, when you walk there, you, you should have already worked a lot of that stuff out by then. Um, if you're walking by yourself and you're not just walking with friends, if you walk there with friends all the time, the same friends, you're gonna have a completely different experience than if you walk by yourself or if you make new friends all along the way. And. Um, I, I was able to do both. I didn't walk with friends very much. Why did you need to forgive yeah. yourself? Uh, for all the mistakes that you've made. I mean, I can give you a list. I've made numerous mistakes in my life. They were pretty big deals. Nothing that would land me in prison, thankfully. Um, but uh, that would get me divorced and um, uh, make me have to start over, you know. And so you yeah. say, what, what was the catalyst 20 years ago? You said you began the process of forgiving yourself 20 years yeah. ago. What, what, yeah. pro what prompted you, can I ask, 20 years ago? That oh, it's, the, it's these ministry programs. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a part of our program. And, and you know, and you find, and you look around for people talking about forgiveness. Christianity is where that is for the most part. And that is core Christianity, forgiveness. It's absolutely core Christianity. But... I think a lot of people don't realize that, but that's where you see the message of forgiveness over and over again. It's presented to you as a Christianity. So on these these uh, ministry programs that I've done for years, primarily, but not exclusively in prisons, you know, that's that's a thing for a lot of the guys. Um, it's the first time that's ever been presented to them that they are creating big problems for themselves by not forgiving others and by not for not accepting themselves for who they are. They create enormous problems. So, you know, in, in after that, after that very dramatic, powerful forgiveness thing, we sent them back to their cells. Um, and the next morning uh, when they come in, we ask them, you know, well, how'd you sleep last night? Every now and then a guy will say, I didn't sleep a wink last night. And what was happening 
was they were they're wrestling with this issue of forgiveness in their head and they couldn't they 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 were trying to grasp that concept of forgiveness and it's a very it's one of the hardest things we do i think is forgiveness i mean and, and who do you hurt when you hurt people you hurt the people you love and you hurt and you hurt the people that love you and that is painful you if you need forgiveness from somebody it's somebody that that um you've you've wronged and um and and that there was a relationship there or it wouldn't have mattered you know, for some random person on the street that you yelled an insult at, well, would would that really matter? But if it's your best friend, you know, and you hurt them, well, that, it takes a while to get past that. And and often it's the person themselves, it's, it's you or it's me, that needs to make peace with ourselves then. That's yeah, really, that's really person, what you're saying. The person that you hold in a state of unforgiveness um, they have gone. They have. They've probably forgotten about that years ago, and you're still carrying that around with you. And that's what people do at Cruz de Ferro, is they try to get rid of those things they're carrying around with them. Nobody else cares anymore. You're there stewing. You're walking down the trail, stewing about a divorce that happened ten years ago, about all these things I did wrong, you know, all these mistakes I made. And, you know, you know my ex. She's. You know, she's not. She's. She gave. She gave up on that ten years ago, and here I'm. She's still weighing me down. So that's. That's the thing that you have to finally learn to do is to say, it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. I don't, it doesn't matter. I'm past that. I'm, I'm looking, all that counts is to, is today. And I'm looking forward to the future. So. Yeah. And we're going to get to that's that. Forgiveness. Yeah. That's forgiveness. That's right. That's right. That's fantastic. Okay. So the fourth point you make a lesson, the fourth lesson to practice on the Camino de Santiago is everyone walks their own Camino. And it's easy. Yeah, you hear that all the time. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You hear that all the time. Yeah, Yeah. and you say that judgmental thinking sneaks into our heads and judgment's a dead-end street. It's time to give it up. So what I'm going to suggest to you, Robert, is it's very important for for a pilgrim to be a good listener because you can then appreciate what other people are going through. Yeah. Well, I learned about listening in prison. Um, uh, what we say is on our in the Kairos prison ministry, listen, listen, love, love. Uh, the love, love part is pretty simple. It's um, I, I don't when you say when you're thinking in, of some an image in a loving way. I don't. What it means is I don't care what you did. I care about your future. I don't care why you're here. Doesn't matter to me. I don't know what it is. I don't want to know. I don't care. Um, the listen, listen, is uh, because in our culture, particularly in prison, but in the real in the the free world too. Nobody listens to you. It's rare when somebody listens to you. So when you listen to someone well, you're giving them a really big gift. And, and people don't always realize that that you are intentionally listening, but they're, they're talking away, telling all this stuff. And what I'm doing is giving them the opportunity to, to express themselves. To somebody, to anybody, it doesn't matter who it is. No, not really. But uh, listening to somebody is giving them a huge gift. I'm also a Toastmaster, and I learned listening in Toastmasters, too. Listening intentionally. It's very hard. I've been working on that for 20 years, too, listening. Just gotten better at it in the last year or two. Finally gotten better. It's kind of a, the, it's like a, um, a parabolic curve. You know, my, my improvement in listening in my first 15 years of working on it was imperceptible. But more recently, I've gotten better. <laughs> so listening to people is important. And so um, telling people things isn't very powerful for the other person. Listening to what the other person has to say is very powerful for them. 
And that then leads to the ability to give up judgment. Yeah. I, and, and like in our, you know, in our prison ministry, we got, we got Muslims and Buddhists and everybody in there. We invite them all in, you know, and, and realistically, I don't care what they are. I don't care if they're Christian or not. It doesn't matter. That's between them and God. They, they can sort, they sort that out themselves. And I'm the same way with, if a person tells me something like, they tell me that they're politically opposite from me. Um, you know, it's tough to do this uh, in the current environment here in the U.S. It's tough. Uh, but, you know, I, what I can just say is, well, tell me more about that. Get them to expand their thinking on it to me, because I know I'm not going to change their mind. I could argue with them, but to what effect? None. It'll have no effect. So there's no point in arguing about it. You might as well just say, OK, that's who they are. Uh, I'm just going to listen to them. Yeah, the, the the fifth and final lesson to practice on the Camino de Santiago is yesterday, today, tomorrow. You say the Camino is a time to fully experience the present moment. Yesterday doesn't exist. Tomorrow will be its own day. Today is all we have. And you say it's a very simple philosophy reinforced by the simplicity of life on the Camino. Tell us, Robert, about the ego arising from our reptilian brain. Yeah. Yeah, that uh, confuses us and tells us all kinds of lies. It happens to everybody. And um, you just have to learn to um, to say no to that. And just put it put it out of your head. Um, and, you know, this, the simplicity of life in the Camino is, I think that's where the change comes from in, in us, in us pilgrims. The change comes partly from the physical effort and the pain, but I think more of it's from the simplicity of it. You don't take much. You don't need much. You don't have to accomplish much today. Um, you just, all you have to do is walk to that next town um, and find a bed and take a shower and wash your clothes and get something to eat. You know, that's a very simple life. You don't have to call anybody on the phone. You don't have to make a deal with anybody. You don't have to do paperwork, pay bills. You just, you're just there. And, and that's when the present moment becomes more visible to you when you don't have all this stuff going on about what happened yesterday or tomorrow, you can just be in today and it's okay. And just being okay with stuff is, is a big thing. You don't, I don't have to manipulate anything and make anything happen. I just have to walk. Stop and smell the roses. As you said. Yeah, literally. Yeah. They're everywhere. They were amazing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I've got a bunch of pictures of roses cause they're just amazing. Me every time I'm like, God, look at those roses. They go wild or something there. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, yeah, that's right. El Camino Roses. You say uh, there are whole books written on the pro- on the, the 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 subject. Present. Read one yeah. of those books. Practice it in your daily life. The ego will not like this. <coughs> Keep telling you lies. Ignore it. Listen instead to birds singing, breezes blowing through trees, and cow bells ringing. I love it. And you say some people come back to the Camino over and over again, and it's perhaps to keep relearning these basic concepts. They're challenging though, aren't they, Robert? Yeah, I, I, I had a good trail friend. She was kind of my spiritual mentor. Her name was Yvonne and she lives in Arizona. And I, 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 don't, know, <laughs> I don't know her last name or, or anything else, but she, we talked quite a bit about the spiritual side of the Camino. This was her sixth Camino walk. Wow. And she comes back about every two years and it's because she needs that grounding in the simplicity of life of the, of the pilgrimage. It's not the religious aspect at all. She's not. A, I'm, I'm not sure if she's a Christian or not. Even she's certainly not a Catholic. Um, but the simplicity of the life is uh, what draws her back, and, then, and it allows her to reground herself, to 
to find some kind of a, uh, a, a, a fundamental part of her soul that uh, doesn't have to be antagonized by all the crazy stuff that goes on in life. That it can just be. On the community, you can just be. You don't have to be anything in particular. You can just be. And that's simple. Yeah, taking time to smell the roses again. And you say your time on the Camino is limited, but it will change your life. As pilgrims are wont to say, your Camino really starts after you head home from Santiago de Compostela. So you host workshops for pilgrims. What's the most important lesson you hope the potential pilgrim will take away from your workshop? Uh, the first thing is uh, just you know, uh, to go do it. Yeah. And that... Uh, that I, the idea for Americans is kind of daunting. It's a long ways. It sounds like it's going to cost a lot of money. Um, I, I never would have thought I could have spent that much time in Europe on that little amount of money. Uh, but that falls within so many people's ability from the point of view of cash flow. Um, and so my, my first thing is it just just figure out a time when you and, and a place and just do it. You don't have to overthink this. That's one of the big problems we've got. I see people overthinking it. This pair of shoes or that pair of shoes. Trail boots, trail boots versus shoes doesn't matter. None of that really matters. Um, I, I contend you only need the only things you need with you when you're walking as a pilgrim. You got to have your U.S. passport. You got to have your bank card to get money out of the wall, and, and you, you got to have your credential. And beyond that, you can replace anything. Those would be a little harder to replace. It would take a little more time, but you can do that. Everything else, so don't obsess about it. Because it doesn't, none of that really matters. Uh, if it's, um, uh, if it's, uh, if it's, if you're looking for a way to change your life, um, then I think this is the most powerful thing going um, in the world. I haven't seen, and uh, as far as changing the world, world peace. I met people from so many countries. I made friends from so many countries. It just blew my mind how many friends I made from countries yeah. around the world. Yeah. And and we we're seeing each other not as, uh, as as representatives of a country or a, a political system or even a religion. I met very few Catholics. I've had very few Catholics. I met one Catholic who would admit to it. Um, <laughs> everybody else would say, "Well, I didn't. I don't do anymore. Used to. I gave that up, or you know, yeah. I'm lapsed or fallen away or whatever." Yeah. Um, I was asked everybody that if they're a Catholic, Catholico, um, but. You, when you start dealing with people just as people and you, the labels start to fall away when the labels fall away and you see people just as people the only criteria I had was they had to speak English because I couldn't speak enough of another language to have a conversation so the first thing I would ask somebody is do you speak English and if they said yes well then, then let's let's start talking let me find out what your story is yeah and great story where'd you start walking yeah yeah great. you know why'd you come and well, one of the interesting things to me was that when you ask people why they came, I did that from the very beginning. I was curious about it. And so it was a genuine question. I found out that a lot of people do that, but I was curious. Why did you come? Because I'm not sure where I came. And for the first week and a half or two weeks, people had a, they had a reason why they came. After that, people couldn't tell you anymore. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they were no longer they were no longer sure where they came. No, the, they were confused about that. Yeah, well, I've, that's my next question. I've said before, I don't know really what the attraction was for me. Perhaps the Camino was calling me, and but you don't need a specific motivation, do you? No, you just you just need to go. You just need to go, and if it if it doesn't work for you, which it probably sometimes that happens, if it doesn't work. You just get on a plane and go back home. I doubt that that happens much. Yeah. 
Are you... And you said, oh, about ways this changed me. Also, I met a woman on the Camino, and uh, we've been together ever since uh, Santiago. Oh. And, uh, that's changed my life, too. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. That's great. Yeah, she's the same age as me. She's 65, and, uh, a walker, you know, and that's one of the things that happens is the people who are going to show up and do that kind of walk, that, that really narrows down the kind of people who are gonna, you're going to run into. Sorry, I ran into somebody that fit me really well on day four, we were thrown against each other all over and over and over again. You know, we'd meet and then we'd lose each other. And then we'd meet, you know, and then finally I got her cell phone number so I could text her. Uh, we walked together for a day, um, split up because it was, it was, we realized it was going to get intense. So we just split up and met up uh, at Santiago eventually and uh, been together ever since. That's terrific. That's just such a great story. So are you going back? May 1st, we have flights. I fly to uh, Madrid and we're going to walk from Lisbon. May May, we'll be in Lisbon about May 5th. How wonderful. Yeah, so- I can't wait. I cannot wait. My, when I get a little bit down about things and things, you know, uh, the way I pick myself up is I visualize the two of us standing side by side on the steps of an albergue in Lisbon with our packs on, uh, ready to ready to hit the Camino. How fantastic. That makes me smile. Yeah, that would yeah. make oh make me smile. That's awesome. Yeah, walking the Camino with my best friend who speaks English too. So my best friends in the Camino were all Germans. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't we none of us spoke the other language. You know, it was it's crazy that we got to be such close so close. <laughs> The beer may have had something to do with that. But yeah, I, was, I made some very close friends. I was just about to with, say. And we stay in touch. We stay in touch yeah. on my WhatsApp. Yeah. And and the the Germans have that great uh, sense of adventure and sense of humor, don't they? Oh, they were fabulous. Yeah. They were fantastic. They were always positive and upbeat. Erwin uh, Erwin uh, Hogg, who's from southern Germany, he got very close. And, you know, we walked together four days in rain gear. And, the, and it would be pouring down rain, and he would be singing. He sang when he walked in the rain. I was grumbling to myself, <laughs> you know? And I'd come up on him, and he's singing, and he's singing, he's singing songs as he walks. I thought, and that's a lesson learned there, isn't it? Yes, yeah. there most certainly is. Look, Robert, I absolutely love the piece you wrote on medium.com. Do you, you said you wrote a couple of books. So where can my listeners learn more about what you do? Where can we read it? Where can we buy some stuff on? Well, they're on Amazon, uh, Amazon Kindle, Nook, Smashwords. I've got, I've got four novels. Uh, they're, uh, three of them are set in Texas state parks, and they're kind of traditional murder mystery stories. And the, the main character is the park police officer. So I've got two set here in Fredericksburg, Texas, at the Enchanted Rock State Natural Area, and one set out of West Texas, is my more recent one, of uh, the, uh, the Davis Mountains State Park and the police officer there. Fort Davis Rocks is that. That's my best story. It's my most recent story, uh, and they're kind of low-level thrillers. They're not only thrillers, but they're, they're and you know, they're, and in fact, that one does not start with a dead body. Um, but um, yeah, uh, and then I have I wrote one years ago. Uh, I was an Air Force pilot in my youth. In fact, I I went to Australia. Um, I flew a tanker to Brisbane to um, Amberley Air Force Station in uh, 1976 really i know exactly yeah. where that is yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. how awesome. they stayed there for two weeks <laughs> right on yeah oh, oh australia was fabulous the people were so friendly 
Well, they were the people are wonderful. That's my be- my best memory of Australia is the people were so darn friendly. Yeah, yeah. Well, we share that. I think with Americans and indeed with pilgrims all around the world. I think. Well, Australians are well represented in the Camino. I've made lots of Australian friends and some New Zealand friends too. And uh, uh, yeah. It's been awesome talking to you. Congratulations, yep. Robert, on what you do. I'm probably leaning towards siding with your border collie, Daisy. I love your writing. <laughs> <laughs> it's me and Daisy. <laughs> well, thanks for the call. It was great talking yeah, to you. Yeah, great talking to you too. And thanks for your time and insight. Thanks, Robert. Buen Camino. Okay. Bye. Bye. Robert C. Deming there, a writer from the United States, the state of Texas. You'll find Robert's article, The Five Life Lessons to Practice on the Camino de Santiago, at medium.com. If you're thinking of walking the Camino, log off, shut down, and go outside. An adventure awaits. Big news on the release of my Camino song. The video has been shot, distribution organized, and we're just weeks away. I can't wait for the Camino community to hear it. Thanks, as always, for your support. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins, Buen Camino.